Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week, our podcast features an episode of the Screen Director's Playhouse called, you guessed it, Miracle on 34th Street. Happy holidays, everyone. Screen Director's Playhouse, star Edmund Gwen, production Miracle on 34th Street, director George Seaton. This is the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. Hollywood Screen Directors presents A Christmas Party for the 500 special girls and boys gathered here in our studio and for children of all ages everywhere. We present the delightful motion picture Christmas story, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original Academy Award-winning role of Kris Kringle. There is something electric about Christmas time in New York. From Thanksgiving on, the air is charged with excitement. And it's on Thanksgiving Day that Macy's Christmas Parade is forming for its joyous annual trek down Fifth Avenue. On the sidewalk, watching the bustle and commotion, stands a little old man. Resting easily on his cane, his bright eyes dart over the scene. He strokes his flowing white beard. And as he sees the parade Santa Claus in front of him, a merry smile turns his face into a mass of happy wrinkles. If you were to see him, you would think instantly of your own chimney, stockings hanging from the mantel, and that very face smiling at you from the flames of your fireplace. Suddenly his brow darkens, and he strides importantly forward. Hello there. Hello yourself. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you... You're making a very serious mistake. Huh? Uh, with the reindeer, I mean. You've got Prancer where Blitzen should be. And Dasher should go on my right hand side. Oh, he should, should he? Oh, yes. Look, bud, I'm busy, see? And I... uh, are you having trouble with your whip? Oh, it's none of your darn business, but I'm I'm all snarled up in the doggone thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> you see, it's all in the wrist and uh and <laughs> You've been drinking. That's cold. Man's got to do something to keep warm. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Don't you realize there are thousands of children lining the streets waiting to see you? Children who've been dreaming of this moment for weeks? You're a disgrace to the tradition of Christmas, and I refuse to have you malign me in this fashion. Who's in charge of this parade? Oh, go away. If you don't tell me who's in charge here, I'll tell the police officer that you're drunk. All right. Mrs. Walker's. There she is, across there. Oh, 
The one in blue. Thank you. Mrs. Walker? Yes. Oh, you! What do you mean, taking your costume off? Now you get dressed and get back up on your float. Me? Oh. Oh, I'm very sorry. I thought you were our Santa Claus. Your Santa Claus is intoxicated. Oh, no. Don't tell me. It's shameful. I won't stand for having these children disappointed. Well, I... Quite soon. I, w- I wonder, could you be Santa Claus? Have you had any experience? Hmm? Well, a little. Would you? Please? You've got to help me out. Madam, I am not in the habit of substituting for spurious Santa Clauses. However, the... These children mustn't be disappointed. No. No. I'll do it. Oh, thank heavens. You'll never know how grateful I am. Get on your float, Santa, and thank you. Oh, Mr. Shellhammer? Yes? I turn it over to you, Mr. Shellhammer. You've done a magnificent job on it. And your new Santa Claus looks wonderful. Why, I hadn't noticed him until just now. He's the best we've ever had. Where'd you find him? I just turned around, and there he was. Well, I'm glad you turned around. I mean, I'm glad he was there. You just think if Mr. Macy had seen the other one. Just think if Mr. Gimble had seen the other one. Oh, don't even say that. What are you going to ride in the parade? Subway. I'm going home and getting a hot tub. And I might stay right there until next Thanksgiving. Susan, look at the parade. I've seen it before. The music's pretty. Yes, it is. Mother will be home soon, Mr. Gailey. I hope so. It would be nice for you to meet her. Yes, yes, I'd like that. But not before the parade's open. Oh, the parade. Say, look at that big baseball player. He was a clown last year. They just changed the head and painted him different. My mother told me. Wow, he's really a giant, isn't he? Not really. There are no giants, Mr. Gailey. Well, maybe not now, Susie. But in olden days... Not even then. Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? Jack who? Well, Jack, uh... Jack and the Beanstalk. I never heard of that. You must have. You just forgot. It's a fairy tale. Oh, one of those. I don't know any fairy tales. You mean your mother or father never read you any? My mother thinks they're silly. I don't know whether my father thinks they're silly or not. I never met my father. You see, my father and mother were divorced when I was a baby. Oh. Well, uh, that baseball player still looks like a giant to me. People sometimes grow very big, but that's unnormal. Your mother tell you that, too? Yes. Well, hello. Oh, uh, I'm Fred Gailey, Mrs. Walker. Yes, I know. Susie's told me quite a bit about you. Oh, thank you. Hello, dear. How was the parade? Much better than last year. Well, thank you. I hope Mr. Macy agrees with you. I'm so glad you came in, Mr. Gailey. I wanted to thank you for being so kind, Susan. Cleo told me you took them both to the zoo yesterday. Yes, that's right. But I must confess, that was part of a deep-dyed plot. Oh. I, I'm fond of Susie, very fond of her. But, uh, I also wanted to know you. I read somewhere that the surest way to meet the mother was to be kind to the child. Well, it worked. <laughs> what a horrible trick. <laughs> the parade's almost over. Mother, here comes the Santa Claus. Oh, don't even mention the name. He's better than last year's. At least this one doesn't wear glasses. I see she doesn't believe in Santa Claus, either. No, of course she doesn't. Hmm. No Santa Claus, no fairy tales, no fantasies of any kind. Is that it? That's right. I think we should be realistic and completely truthful with our children. Not let them grow up believing in a lot of myths and legends, like 
Santa Claus, for example. I see. Yes. Uh, well, Mrs. Walker, I'm so glad to have met you at last. I do hope you'll let me drop in again. Mother. Yes, dear. I was thinking, we've got such a big Thanksgiving turkey for dinner, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Couldn't we? Well, dear... Oh, uh, please, don't even think about it. I... It's have... an awful big turkey. Well, it's not that, dear, but I'm I'm sure Mr. Gailey has uh, other plans. No, he hasn't. He said so, and he told me to ask you. Oh, dear. <laughs> D- didn't I ask all right, Mr. Gailey? Uh, dinner's at three o'clock. Thank you. Thank you very much. story will continue in just a moment. But now, here's a word from RCA Victor. When you go to select your television set for Christmas, you'll surely want to see a complete RCA Victor combination before you decide. You'll want to see an RCA Victor because it's America's favorite television. It's million-proof, proven in well over a million homes. And you'll want to see a complete RCA Victor television radio phonograph combination because here's your chance to get console television... Console radio, console phonograph, at a price far below the cost of all these services with comparable quality. They're magnificent affairs, which give you, in one beautiful cabinet, two RCA Victor radios, AM and FM, and two RCA Victor automatic record changers, in addition to RCA Victor million-proof television. You'll find them better-looking, better-performing in every way. But what will wed you to one of them for life is the fact that they give you so much for so little. Yes, they'll make you say, this is truly a wonderful buy. Remember, see your RCA Victor dealer for a million-proof television combination tomorrow. Here now is Act Two of the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. Thanksgiving Day is over. Macy's Christmas Parade was a smashing success. And the new Santa Claus, something of a sensation. There seemed to be an intangible quality about the old fellow which communicated itself to the children which lined the route. Mr. Shellhammer has persuaded him to come down to the store the next morning and try his hand in the toy department. As we look into the employee's locker room, we find Chris in a magnificent Santa Claus costume just pulling on his boots. Good morning, good morning. Morning. My, what a striking costume. Hmm? Did uh, we provide you with that? Oh, no, no, no. I've had it for years and years. Uh, I see. Well, before you go up on the floor, I want to give you a few tips on how to be a good Santa Claus. Well, go right ahead. Well, here's a list of toys we have to push. You know, things that we're overstocked on. Oh. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. When that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Eh? Understand? 
I certainly do. Good. Now, you memorize this list, and when you finish, come up to the seventh floor. I'll be waiting for you. And don't be too long now. Imagine making a child take something he doesn't want just because a man like that bought too many of the wrong toys. That's what I've been fighting against for years. The way they commercialize Christmas. Well, I can't think of a better place to start this year's campaign, nor a better way to start than than by tearing up this list. Oh. There. <laughs> I feel better already. Yes. Peter? Oh, yes. Peter's a fine name. And what do you want for Christmas, Peter? I want a fire engine, just like the big ones, only smaller. That's got real horses, and it'll squirt real wet water. And I won't do it in the house, just in the backyard. Cross my heart and hope to die. (laughs) Oh, well, Peter, I can tell you're a good boy. You'll get your fire engine. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. See, Mom? I told you he'd get me one. Well, yes, dear. Now, you run over and look at the toys. Mummy wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Okay. What do you mean by saying a thing like that? You saw me shake my head at you. I was trying to tell you I couldn't find one. I looked all over. They're just not making that kind of fire engine. Now, 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 you don't think I'd have said that unless I was sure, do you? Let's see what my little book says. Hmm? Now... Uh, oh, here. Here we are. The Acme Toy Company at 246 West 26th Street. And they're only eight fifty. A wonderful bargain. You're recommending this company? Oh, I keep track of the toy market pretty closely. Well, does that surprise you so? Oh, it's not that so much, but what really bowls me over is that Macy's is sending me to another store. Well, <laughs> the only important thing is to make the children happy, isn't it? And whether Macy or somebody else sells the toy doesn't make any difference. Well, don't you feel that way? Yes, but I never dreamed that Macy's did. As long as I'm here, they do. Now, you'll find just what you want at FAO Schwartz, 675. Bloomingdale's has exactly what the little girl wants. Two forty-nine. That's all. But for Johnny's Johnny's wagon, I'd suggest you. Uh, yes, I suggest you get it here. We have the best wagons in town. Yeah. Oh yes, we have skates, and they're very good skates too. But they're they're not. Quite what your little boy wants. No. Now, I'd suggest you you go across the street. They have exactly what you're looking for there. At Gimbel's. Gimbel's? Oh, oh, you frightened me. Well, this is Mr. Shellhammer. <laughs> He's head of our toy department. Well, well, I, I came back to congratulate you and Macy's on this new stunt you're doing. What? Imagine sending people to other stores. I don't get it. It's, uh, it's... Uh, it certainly is. You said it. 
to think that a big store like this puts the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. It's wonderful. Well, I, I've never done much shopping here, but believe me, from now on, I'm a regular Macy customer. Well, thank you, madam. And thank you, too. And there'll be hundreds of other women who feel just the way I do, too. Now, I... I, I must be going mad. I've never heard of such a thing in all my life. Well, you'll find she's right, Mr. Shellhammer. A lot of people are going to like it. An awful lot of people. Yeah, but the point is, will Mr. Macy like it? Oh. He seems like an awful silly thing for us to be doing, Mr. Gailey. Well, I thought as long as we were in the store, you might as well say hello to him. Why? Because maybe when you talk to him, you'll feel differently about Santa Claus. Maybe. Hello, young lady. Would you like to come up and sit on my lap? No, thank you. No? What's your name? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine, Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Ha! Oh, <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? Nope. Mm. You see, my mother is Mrs. Walker, the lady who hired you. But I must say you're the best-looking one I've ever seen. Oh. Your whiskers aren't loose at the sides. Well, you pull them. Oh, let's see why. I will. Oof. Hey, they don't come off. <laughs> That's because they're real. Just like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing. Thank you. Oh, now, now, now. You must want something. Whatever I want, Mother will get for me. Oh, if it's sensible and doesn't cost too much, of oh. course. Susan. Hello, Mother. Hello, Mr. Gailey. Uh, hi. Come along, Susan. I think you've taken up enough of this gentleman's time. Goodbye, come Susan. Bye. Bye. Uh, the, uh, explanation for all this is very simple. Your Cleo's mother sprained her ankle. Yes, I know. Uh, Cleo called me. I've been wondering where you were. He's a nice old man, Mother. And those whiskers are real, too. Yes, dear. Many men have long beards like that. Susan, would you mind sitting here for a minute? I'd like to talk to Mr. Gailey. All right. I shouldn't have brought Susie to Santa Claus, huh? Well, I'm sorry. Just that I couldn't see any great harm in Millie saying hello to the old gent. But I think there is harm. I tell her Santa Claus is a myth. You bring her down here, she sees thousands of gullible children and meets with a very convincing old man with real whiskers. This sets up within her a, a harmful mental conflict. What is she to think? Whom is she going to believe? Go on. And by filling them full of fairy tales, they grow up considering life a, a fantasy instead of a reality. They keep waiting for a Prince Charming to come along, and when he does, he turns out to be... We were talking about Susie, not you. Well, whether you agree with me or not, I, I must ask you to respect my wishes regarding Susan. She's my responsibility, and I must bring her up as I see fit. Okay, she's your kid. Exactly. Now I've got to go back to my office. You know, you've given me quite a bit to think about. Both about Susan and you. So long. Come in. They said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Yes, please come in. Hello there, Susan Walker. Oh, it's good to see you again. It's awful nice to see you. Joe, you're awfully lucky, Mrs. Walker. That's a lovely little girl you have there. Thank you. And Susan's the reason I asked you to come here. Oh. She's a little confused, and maybe you can help to straighten her out. I'll be glad to. 
Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus? Hmm? That there actually is no such person? <laughs> well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, you misunderstand. I want you to tell the truth. What is your name? Chris Kringle. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second? I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. Second grade? It's a progressive school. Oh. Miss Adams, please bring in the Santa Claus file. Hold the employment card. That hat of yours is very cute. Where do you get such a lovely outfit? Macy's. We get 10% off. Now, please don't feel that you have to keep pretending for Susan's benefit. She's an intelligent child and always wants to know the absolute truth. Good, because I always tell the absolute truth. Now, Susan, about your school. What's the name of your teacher? Oh, thank you, Miss Adams. Now then, is this your card? Hmm? Let's see. Yes, yes, that's it. Name, Chris Kringle. Mm -hmm. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. Age... As old as my tongue, and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Susan, dear, you go in and talk to Miss Adams for a few minutes. I'll be right with you. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, young lady. Hope to see you again. Thank you. I hope so, too. I'm sorry, Mr... Uh, Kringle. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to make a change. Change? Yes, the Santa Claus we had two years ago is back in town, and I... I feel we owe it to him to come. What? Have I done something wrong? No. No. Excuse me. Mrs. Walker. Mrs. Walker, Mr. Macy speaking. I have just been informed of the new policy you and Mr. Shellhammer initiated without consulting me or the advertising department. I do not approve of your methods, but in the face of the tremendous response on the part of the public, I can't be angry with you. I admit it sounds ridiculous to me... Imagine, Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimbel's. <laughs> but you cannot argue with success. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but I want every salesperson in this store to do precisely the same thing. If we haven't got exactly what the customer wants, we'll send him where he can get it. We'll be known as the helpful store, the friendly store, the store with a heart. That's a wonderful Santa Claus you've got there, Mrs. Walker. Don't lose him. You will find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope, Mrs. Walker. My congratulations. That was Mr. Macy. Mm, talks a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> Sometimes. Mr. Macy suggested we find something else for the other Santa Clauses. And, uh keep you on. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's mighty good news. You'll be here in the morning. I certainly will. You see, this is quite an opportunity for me. For the last 50 years or so, I've been getting more and more worried about Christmas. It seems we're all so busy trying to beat the other fellow in making things go faster and look shinier that, that, well, that Christmas and I are getting sort of lost in the shuffle. Oh, I don't think so. Christmas is still Christmas. Yes, Christmas isn't just a day. No, it's a frame of mind. And that's what's been changing. That's why I'm glad I'm here. Maybe I can do something about it. And I think you and Susan are going to help me more than anybody. We are. How? Well, you two are sort of the whole thing in, in miniature. If I can win you over, then there's still hope. If not, 
Well, I warn you, I don't give up easily. No. No. Good night, Mrs. Walker. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Now, folks, let's eavesdrop on Bing Crosby and Bob Hope in their dressing room, discussing their sponsor. Chesterfield people are wonderful to work for. Well, Chesterfield didn't hire us for radio alone, you know. we we got to do a lot of personal work for the firm. That's right. We're here in San Francisco on a very special mission. I'm working the mural room at the St. Francis, and Bob is cigarette girl at the top of the mark. <laughs> they tried Crosby at the top of the mark, but he got the bends. <laughs> Seriously, friends, Skin Flint and I, we do agree 100% on this. Chesterfields are milder. And they leave no unpleasant aftertaste. So always buy our cigarette, Chesterfield. The best cigarette for you to smoke. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you'll smoke them. Don't forget to give Crosby for Christmas. I mean the Chesterfield Christmas carton with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. You are listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. The third act of Miracle on 34th Street will continue after a brief pause for station identification. for the third act of the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original role of Chris Kringle. <laughs> Business is booming at Macy's. Chris Kringle's popularity is growing by leaps and bounds. Doris Walker is still worried because she cannot dismiss the thought that Chris is slightly unbalanced. Now, this seems logical to her because he obviously thinks he is Santa Claus. Fred Gailey, however, feels differently and has brought the old gentleman home to dinner. Chris has dropped into Doris's apartment to call on Susan. Hello. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to dinner. It was a great pleasure. Susan, I'm going to try again. I want a chance to prove to you that there is a Santa Claus. Well, now, there must be something you want for Christmas. Hmm? Something you haven't even told your mother about? No. No, there isn't. Oh, now, now, now. Why don't you give me a chance, eh? All right. I want a house for Christmas. Oh, you mean a doll's house? No, a real house. Huh? And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. And if you can't, 
You're only a nice man with a white beard, like Mommy says. Now, now, now. Wait a minute, Susie. Just because every child can't get his wish, now that doesn't mean there isn't a Santa Claus. That's what I thought you'd say. Yeah, but don't you see? Some children wish for things they couldn't possibly use. Like, uh, like real locomotives or B-29s. But this isn't like a real locomotive or a B-29. Well, it's awful big for a little girl like you. Now, what could you possibly do with a house? Live in it with my mother. Well, but you've got this lovely apartment. I don't think it's lovely. I want a backyard with a swing and a garden and lots of things growing in it. Oh. But I guess you can't get it, huh? Hmm? Oh, no. No, I didn't say that. It's a tall order, you know, Susie, but I'll do my best. Okay. Okay, Susie. Let's have some dinner now, shall we? Huh? After that, I'll go to work on your problem. Um, good morning, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, good morning, Mrs. Walker. I would like to ask that you give Mr. Um, Kringle our test, if you will. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He's our Santa Claus, isn't he? And his name is Kringle. <laughs> How fascinating. How do you do, Mr. Kringle? How do you do? I must say that's a very ingenious name to have chosen. It did get you the job, didn't it? Or vice versa. Well? <laughs> I'll leave you two. Will you call me later, Mr. Sawyer? <clears throat> yes, 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 of course. <laughs> now, Mr. Kringle. Yeah? To start our little test. Who was the first president of the United States? George Washington. Um, uh, how much is three times five? Fifteen. How much did you say? Fifteen. You're rather nervous, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are of no concern to you. Now, how many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, you bite your nails, too. Oh, oh that's often a sign of insecurity. Kringle, you will pay attention to what I'm saying. Oh, I'm or... sorry. I, I, I was just trying to help. I did not call you in here to help me, Kringle. I called you in here to find out about you, and I'm certainly finding out. So did I answer the questions wrong? I'm asking the questions, you old screwball. <laughs> I don't believe that Mrs. Walker intended me to have this kind of examination. What? No. I have great respect for psychiatry. And great contempt for muddlers what? who go around practicing it. Why, you... Are you a licensed psychiatrist? But, but that is none of your business. I thought so. Mr. Sawyer, you are a phony. How... You ought to be horsewhipped. How dare you? Now, now, you leave this office immediately. I shall, but before I do, you listen to this. Now, either you stop analyzing, what? as you call it, at once... Or I'm going to tell Mr. Macy what a contemptible, malicious well, fraud you are. You get out of here before I throw you out. I wouldn't try that. Get out of here? There's only one way to handle a man like you. You won't listen to reason. You're heartless. You have no humanity. Are, are you going to leave? Yes. There's only one way to handle your kind. My cane, if you please. Thank you. Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Why did you do it? Well, he deserved it. Oh, I don't mean hitting Sawyer over the head. I couldn't agree with you more about that. But what you did here at Bellevue, I don't understand it. Oh, that examination? Yes, I failed it. Deliberately? 
Yes. So why? Why? Well, because for the last few days I've had great hopes. I had a feeling people were beginning to believe, especially Doris. You know what happened. When I hit Sawyer, it was Doris who had me brought here to Bellevue. Chris, let me tell you something. Doris hasn't really believed in anything for years. You can't expect her suddenly Well, it's not, not just Doris. Now, there's Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, selfish, deceitful, vicious. And yet he's out there and I'm in here. Now, what makes him normal? Because he conforms to a pattern. Because he thinks and acts like the great majority. So, we've got a world full of Sawyers. And if that's normal, I don't want it. No. That's why I answered the questions incorrectly. But, Chris, you can't just think of yourself. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for. And people like Susan who are just beginning to. Huh? You can't quit. You can't let them down. No. No, I didn't think about Susan. I... No. You're right, Fred. Quite right. How do we get out of here? It's not going to be easy. Well, you've got to get me out. All right, Chris, I'll do my best. Oh, and while you're working on it, Fred, work on something else for me, too. Your case is going to be a full-time job all by itself. Yes, but you're... You're rather fond of Doris Walker, aren't you? I'm in love with her. Mm. How do you think she feels about you, Fred? I think if I could just crack that shell, maybe she'd be in love with me. Ah. If I could just get her to break down just once. Mm. Why don't you take her out more? I've tried. She's too busy with her job. Well, that's what I want you to, to do for me, Fred. Try a little harder. You know, those two are a couple of lost souls, and it's up to us to help them. Now, I'll take care of Susie if you'll take care of her mother. It's good enough for me, Chris. Uh, oh, one more thing. What? Do you like... Do you like living in Manhattan? It's all right, I suppose. Of course, someday I'd like to get a house out on Long Island. Not a big place, just huh? one of those... Uh, Junior partner deals around Manhattan. You know? Yeah. Yes, I know the kind you mean. Why? Why what? Well, why did you ask that? Oh, I don't know, Fred. It just seems to me that as soon as Christmas is over every year, I get good and sick of the city, too. Every day you hear more and more about an incredibly fast way to relieve the pains of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. It's anison, A-N-A-C-I-N. Now, the reason anison is so wonderfully fast-acting and effective is this. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people have received envelopes containing anison tablets from their own dentist or physician, and in this way discovered the incredibly fast relief anison brings from the pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. So the next time a headache strikes, take anison. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison in handy boxes of 12 and 30. Economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100. Ask for anison at any drug counter.
to our story, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen. So with Christmas right upon us, Chris Kringle is in Bellevue with a competent authority of psychiatrists judging him insane. At any moment, papers of commitment will be put through the New York courts, which will keep Chris committed permanently. Fred Gailey has managed to file his claim for a formal hearing. In the matter of Chris Kringle, Your Honor, the commitment papers are before you. If Your Honor, please, I should like to call the first witness. Uh, proceed, Mr. Mara. Mr. Kringle, will you take the stand? Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning. Uh, before you begin, Mr. Mara, I want to explain to the witness that this is a hearing, not a trial. Mm. Mr. Kringle, you do not have to answer any questions against your wishes or even testify at all. We have no objection, Your Honor. Oh, I'll be glad to answer any questions that I can. What is your name? Chris Kringle. Where do you live? Well, that's what this hearing will decide. <laughs> Very sound answer, Mr. Kringle. Thank you, Your Honor. Do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Well, of course. The state rests, Your Honor. Well, Mr. Gailey, do you wish to cross-examine the witness? I believe he was employed to play Santa Claus. Perhaps he did not understand the question. Oh, I understood the question perfectly, Your Honor. No further questions at this time. Well, in view of the statement, do you still wish to put in defense, young man? I do, Your Honor. I'm fully aware of my client's opinions. In fact, that's the entire case against him. All those complicated tests and reports boil down to this. Mr. Kringle is not sane because he believes himself to be Santa Claus. An entirely logical and reasonable assumption, I'm afraid. Well, it would be if the clerk here or Mr. Mara or I believed that we were Santa Claus. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is not sane. Not necessarily. For example, Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper. Nobody questions your sanity, Your Honor, because you are Judge Harper. I know all about myself, young man. Mr. Kringle is the subject of this hearing. Yes, Your Honor. And if he is the person he believes himself to be, just as you are, then he is just the same. Well, granted, but he isn't. Oh, but he is, Your Honor. Is what? I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Doris. Well, hello. Oh, I'm glad you're home. I read the paper, Fred. You're not serious about this. Well, of course I am. But you can't possibly prove that he's Santa Claus. Well, why not? He made Macy and Gimble shake hands, didn't he? That was impossible, but it happened. I'd like to know what your firm thinks about this. They are saying that I am jeopardizing the prestige and dignity of an old established law firm. And either I drop this impossible case immediately, or they will drop me. The old buzzards. Well, I guess that's that. Yeah, they left me no choice. So I quit. Fred, you didn't. Of course I did. I can't let Chris down. He needs me, and all the rest of us need him. Look, darling, I love Chris, too. He's a kind, wonderful old man, and I admire you for wanting to help him. But you've got to be practical. You can't throw your career away because of sentiment. I'd like to prove something to you. And I can, too. Turn on the radio. Why? Because I want to show you what's happened lately with sentiment. It's become darn good business. It's all over the place. Everybody's doing it. 
Here. Here it comes now. Listen. The car of the year is a good car. Please don't misunderstand. There are many good cars. They're higher priced and lower priced. If you'll bring us an idea of your requirements, we'll tell you very honestly whether we think ours is the car for you. If not, we'll recommend cheerfully the car you should have regardless of who makes it. Hear that? A year ago, that company would have killed themselves before okaying copy like that. And what's happening? They're doing the biggest business in their history. You can blame that on Chris. Yes, I know, but... Do you realize that a little old man that I'm defending is responsible for all those commercials? You know what he's done for the industry of this country? Maybe it's because public response has made it impossible for advertisers to be anything but generous. But it's his fault. He started the whole darn thing. But you can't toss everything out the window because of a sentimental whim. Darling, one experience doesn't make a life. You've got to have faith. It's not a question of faith. It's just... It's just common sense, Fred. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. And I guess these last few years you've developed too much common sense. And yet with all my common sense, I was just beginning to think it would work out for us. So was I. But... Can I help you with the tree? Thanks. I can do it. Well, good night. Good night. I examine my witness, Your Honor. <coughs> Proceed, Mr. Gailey. Thank you. What is your name, sir? R.H. Macy. Mr. Macy, if you recognize the gentleman seated over there, will you please tell us who it is? Chris Kringle. Your employee, is he not? Yes. Do you believe him to be truthful? Yes. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? I certainly do. Mr. Macy, you're under oath. Do you really believe that this man is Santa Claus? Well, he gives every indication... I asked you, Mr. Macy, do you believe that this man is Santa Claus? I do. That is all. Your Honor, I object to this testimony. It's ridiculous, irrelevant, and immaterial. Mr. Gailey is making a circus out of this court. There's no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Your Honor. Your Honor, I would like to request permission for my client to answer Mr. Mara himself. Granted. Mr. Kringle? Mr. Mara, I submit that what you have just said is a matter of opinion. Can you offer any proof that there is no Santa Claus? No, I do not intend to. This is not a nursery. This is the New York State Supreme Court. I'll not waste this court's time with such childish nonsense. Well, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but Mr. Mara seems to have appointed himself judge here, Your Honor. He's now ruling on what testimony I am introduced. Your Honor, I demand an immediate ruling from the court. Is there or is there not the Santa Claus? The, the uh... The court will take a short recess to consider the matter. Oh, hello, darling. Have you been listening to the broadcast of the trial? Yes, I'm in my chambers. Oh, I've never been in such a dilemma. Why? Well, listen, if I go back in there and rule there is no Santa Claus, we'd both better start looking for that chicken farm right now. 
I won't even get in the primaries. What? Oh, stop. Listen to reason. I'm a responsible judge. I've taken an oath. How can I seriously rule there is a Santa Claus? What will happen? Well, I'll tell you. I rule there's no Santa Claus. The kids read about it. They don't hang up their stockings. So what happens to all the toys that were supposed to be in the stockings? Nobody buys them. You think the toy manufacturers are going to like that? So they have to lay off a lot of employees, union employees. Now you've got the CIO and the AFL against you. The department stores are going to love you, too, and the Christmas card makers, the candy companies. Oh, honey, listen, as sure as you're my wife, if, if I do this, I can count on getting just exactly three votes at the next election. Our own and that district attorney, Mara's out there. Oh, and I just happen to remember that Mara's a Republican. <laughs> well, recess is over, my sweet. Uh, Korea, too, maybe. I'll call you later. Before making a ruling, this court has consulted the uh, highest authority available. The question of Santa Claus seems to be largely a matter of opinion. Many people firmly believe in him. Uh, uh, others do not. American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a uh, controversial matter. This court, therefore... Uh, he intends to keep an open mind. We shall hear evidence on either side. Uh, Your Honor, the burden of proof for this ridiculous contention clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If the court please, may my client take over for me? Uh, well, yes, yes, of course. Well, will, uh, will Thomas Mara please take the sand? Who, me? No, 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 Mr. Mara. Thomas Mara, Jr. Yes. <laughs> now, Tommy, now. You know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie, don't you? Gosh, everybody knows you shouldn't tell a lie, especially in court. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. Tell me, do you, uh, do you believe in Santa Claus, Tommy? Sure I do. He gave me a brand new sled last year, and this year I wrote him that I wanted a... And what uh, does he look like? You? I... I object. Overruled. Well, tell me, Tommy, why are you so sure there is a Santa Claus? Because my daddy told me so. Didn't you, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you... You believe your daddy, don't you, Tommy? Huh? He's a very honest man. Of course he is. My daddy wouldn't tell me anything that wasn't so. Would you, Daddy? <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. That's all. Your, uh, Your Honor, State of New York concedes the existence of Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we ask of Mr. Gailey and his client to cease presenting personal opinion as evidence. Uh, the State could bring in hundreds of witnesses with opposite opinions, but it's our desire to shorten the hearing rather than prolong it. I therefore demand that Mr. Gailey now submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle is the one and the only Santa Claus. Your point is well taken, Mr. Mara. I'm afraid I must agree. Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus? 
on the basis of competent authority? Uh, not at this time, Your Honor. I ask for an adjournment until tomorrow. Morning, Chris. Morning, Fred. I'm afraid it's bad news, Chris. I've oh? tried every way to get some competent authority. I wired the governor, the mayor. Never but mind, I Fred. Now, this letter means more to me than all the governors and mayors in the world. Who's it from? You read it. No time now. They're ready to start. Well, well, well let me read just, to, just a bit of it. Do all right, it. go ahead. Well, listen. Listen, Fred. And I want you to know, Mr. Kringle, that I believe all you told me and everything will turn out fine. I hope you are not sad. Yours truly, Susan. Oh, P.S. Dear Mr. Kringle, I believe in you too. Doris. So our two lost souls have found themselves, huh, Chris? A little late for you, though. Oh, I don't matter, Fred. They finally found faith. That's really important. Here, take a look at the envelope. Why? Well, see how it's addressed? Now, let me look at that. Yeah. Chris Kringle... New York County Courthouse, mm -hmm. Center and Pearl Streets, New York City. Yes, yes, and I have two other letters from children here, Fred. They're just address Santa Claus. But I got them. Are you ready, Mr. Mara? Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Gailey? My client will speak for himself, Your Honor. I'm going to make a quick phone call, Chris. Go ahead, son. I've got an interesting book here. Your Honor, uh, the defense has yet to bring in one concrete piece of evidence to substantiate this preposterous claim. Not one competent authoritative proof that this man is Santa Claus. On view of these facts, and especially since today is Christmas Eve, we're all anxious to get to our homes, I ask that you sign the commitment papers without further delay. Uh, Mr. Kringle, haven't you anything to offer? Yes, yes, I have, Your Honor. I should like to submit some facts in evidence. They concern the Post Office Department, an official agency of the United States government. The post office department is one of the largest business concerns in the world. Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified to know that the post office department is doing so nicely, but it hardly has any bearing on the case. It may have a great deal, Your Honor. Uh, may I proceed? Oh, yes, yes, by all means, Mr. Well, now, according to this book of regulations in my hand, the United States postal laws make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. Consequently, the department uses every possible precaution. Your Honor, the state of New York is second to none in its admiration of the post office department. We're happy to concede all of Mr. Kringle's claims. For the record? Yes, for the record. Anything to get on with this case. Then may I introduce these two letters as evidence, Your Honor? They are simply addressed to Santa Claus. No other address whatsoever. Yet they were delivered to me by bona fide employees of the post office. Now, could this be considered... Positive proof? Two letters, Your Honor, are hardly positive proof. I understand the post office receives thousands of such letters every year. That is true, Mr. Mara. I may interrupt, Your Honor. I should like to say that I have other exhibits, but I hesitate to produce them. We'd all like to see them, I'm Should sure. Should I get some more mail, Fred? Just watch. Oh. I apologize, Your Honor, for the staggering amount of evidence necessary, but you will notice being wheeled down the aisle... Nine truckloads of mail. Every letter on these trucks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office department has delivered them. The post office is a branch of the federal government. Therefore, the United States government recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, as the one and only Santa Claus. 
sense, the United States of America believes this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case, <laughs> uh, dismiss. <laughs> Got your note, Doris, in court. Made me very happy. I'm glad, Chris. Mm. Making our Christmas very happy to have you with us. I didn't get my present. Oh, but darling, you have loads of presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, I tried my best, Susie, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus, that's why. Mm. You're just a nice old man with whiskers, like Mother said. And I shouldn't have believed you. Oh. I was wrong when I told you that, darling. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But, Mommy, he didn't get me the... Oh, it doesn't make sense. Faith, darling, is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that out. You mean it's like that if at first you don't succeed, try, try again? Yes. I thought so. Come in. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Anybody Christmas. notice they didn't get any presents from me? I did. Yes, I'll bet you did. And I'll bet your mother did, too, only she's too polite to mention it. Well, I've got two presents. One, Doris, is a little special. And it's just for you. Oh. Very tiny in a very tiny plush box. It's very round and filled with a lot of love. <laughs> you want me to leave? Stay right where you are, Chris. All right. All right. I like it here. I've got another present. Where is it? It's in my pocket on a piece of paper. It's called an option. Well, what's an option? Something that means that nobody else can buy this present unless I don't want it. Do you want it? I want it if you and Mommy want it as much as I do. Look, Susan. Here's a picture of it. It's a house. Oh. It's my house, Mommy. It's my house. The, the very house I asked Mr. Kringle for. You asked Mr. Kringle for this house? Susie, isn't it wonderful to believe again? Oh, I do, Mr. Kringle. I do, I do. So do I, Chris. And that's the happiest Christmas that you could possibly give me. I believe too, Chris. You know that. Tell me something. Oh, anything, Fred. Who are you? Me? I'm Chris Kringle. Bye. Chris Kringle will return in just a moment with our guest director, George Seaton. But now, here's what happens when Bing and Bob meet on a shopping tour. Here we go. Where you been, genius? In some corner drugstore getting your kicks at the comic book counter? No, no, no. I was at the prescription counter admiring your picture on the iodine bottle. <laughs> There's a delightful picture of you on the Lydia Pinkham bottle, too. <laughs> 
Seriously, friends, Skin Flint and I, we do agree 100% on this. Chesterfield is the cigarette that everybody ought to be smoking. Right, and they will, Bob, when they find out how easy it is to prove that Chesterfields are milder. Sure, it's the easiest test in the book. Just get a hold of a pack of Chesterfields, then open them, smell them, and smoke them. Compare them with the cigarettes you've been smoking, and you'll find that Chesterfields do smell milder, and they smoke mild, too. Christmas, give Chesterfield Christmas cartons with Bing Crosby as Papa Santa Claus. Next week, another great star recreates a memorable role on Screen Director's Playhouse as we present our adaptation of one of Hollywood's most unusual films. Our story will be Alias Nick Beale, directed by John Farrell. And our stars will be Ray Milland and Nancy Olson. Now, here again is tonight's star, Edmund Gwen. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Our play, you know, isn't really over. It's true that the pages of our script have been acted out, but but that's that's scarcely the end of Chris Kringle, is it? No. Anyway, not for the 500 girls and boys in our studio audience tonight. No, and not for you either, I expect. That's because the old duffer is completely timeless. And although this particular Chris Kringle doesn't seem to have any end... He did have a beginning. <laughs> yes, he began on the screen with one of Hollywood's most brilliant writer-directors. I'd like to introduce him to you now. The creator of Miracle on 34th Street and of such other films as Apartment for Peggy, The Big Lift, George Seaton. Thanks, Teddy. You know, we seem to be in, on the birth of a kind of a young tradition here. Well, it was just a year ago, George, that we did the same show, wasn't it? With the same wonderful audience of boys and girls. Another screen director's Christmas party, and Chris Kringle hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> well, that's one of the nicest things about playing Santa Claus. The part goes on and on, year after year. And, of course, we actors are very fond of those kind of roles. And directors are very fond of your kind of acting. Teddy, your performance in Miracle made a dream come true. Oh? Because when Valentine Davies and I started to write the screenplay, well, it's all we had to go on, a dream, an idea, just a hope that we could capture on celluloid, that thing called Christmas spirit, and Teddy, you're it. My dear George, the way I fill a Santa Claus suit to bursting, I don't quite fancy myself as a spirit. You're Santa Claus to the fingertips. And you've got an assignment. What, to give a performance? To give out the gifts that NBC is giving to these 500 youngsters. Oh, I'll accept that assignment, yes. You'll help, Mr. Director. I'll help, Mr. Actor. Good, then since I'm still Kris Kringle, I'm really the most appropriate one to wish the audience a Merry Christmas from all of us on the Screen Director's Playhouse. May it bring you the most precious gift of all, happiness. Good night. And so ends Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's All-Star Festival, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music and first in television, Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, and the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. <laughs>
Miracle on 34th Street was presented through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. Watch for Richard Widmark in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production, Halls of Montezuma. Edmund Gwen may currently be seen in the 20th Century Fox productions, Mr. 880, and For Heaven's Sake, which George Seaton has directed. Included in tonight's cast were Lorene Tuttle as Doris, David Ellis as Fred, Gail Bonney, Joan Ray, Bill Conrad, Ralph Moody, Herb Rawlinson, Joel Nestler, and Jack Moyles. Miracle on 34th Street was adapted for radio by Nat Wolfe. The Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Wiley and directed by Bill Carn. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking and inviting you to listen again next Thursday when we present Ray Milland and Nancy Olson in Alias Nick Beale with Screen Director John Farrell. Listen again next week to Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama. Listen tomorrow evening to the one and only Duffy's Tavern, the Friday night feature of the all-star festival. Join Archie and the gang at Duffy's Tavern tomorrow night on NBC. Screen Director's Playhouse was a popular radio anthology series which brought leading Hollywood actors to NBC microphones beginning in 1949. The radio program broadcast adaptations of films and original directors of the films were sometimes involved in the productions, although their participation was usually limited to introducing the adaptation and a brief curtain call with the cast and host at the, and host at the end of the program. The series later had a brief run on television. The radio version ran for 122 episodes and aired on NBC from January 9, 1949 to September 28, 1951. It had several titles, including NBC Theater, Screen Director's Guild Assignment, Screen Director's Assignment, and as of July 1, 1949, Screen Director's Playhouse. Actors on the radio series were the A-list in Hollywood, including Fred Astaire, Lucille Ball, Claudette Colbert, Gary Cooper, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Marlena Dietrich, Kurt Douglas, Henry Fonda, Cary Grant, Burt Lancaster, James Mason, Gregory Peck, James Stewart, John Wayne, and Loretta Young. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.